Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topic and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. Today, we're interviewing a partner with Baker Tilly, a national accounting and business advisory firm, who's also one of our esteemed sponsors. But before we meet him, let's hear from our show sponsors, Sunbelt Business Advisors and Baker Tilly. At advisory and accounting firm Baker Tilly, we serve as value architects to help companies enhance and protect their value as they prepare to exit their business. Our team utilizes a rigorous approach to guide business owners through their transition, and we work with your other advisors to coordinate all aspects of a successful exit plan. Visit us at bakertilly.com to see how we can help. Baker Tilly, now for tomorrow. You give your business everything, but now you have a decision to make. Should you grow or go? Every business owner will exit their business someday. It's a big personal and financial decision. The best business owners know what their business is worth, and they know their options. Sunbelt Business Advisors can help you understand what your business is worth now and how to net the most when you sell. And if your business isn't ready for sale, we will show you how to get it ready. Here's the best part. Sunbelt gets paid when you get paid at the closing table. And if you aren't ready to exit your business right now, but you want to know what your company is worth, Sunbelt will meet with you for no charge, no cost, no commitment, absolutely confidentially. So whether you're ready to go or still working on your grow, meet with Sunbelt now. The world's largest business brokerage firm is ready to help you. Call 612-455-0880. 612-455-0880. That's 612-455-0880. Or go to sunbeltminnesota.com. sunbeltminnesota.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here today with Russ Fleming, partner with Baker Tilly. Russ, welcome to the show. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking time away from your vacation to show up here. That's oh, great. Yes, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Fantastic. So, um, yeah, that's quite a sacrifice, by the way. I know. I know. But for you, Julie, anytime. Man, that's great. Well, we're going to talk about some interesting things today, especially as it relates to acquisitions. And I know that you've got some interesting stories that you're going to share with us. Yeah. Um, but before we get to the burning questions that I have for you, could you just share a little bit about your background and uh, how you got to be where you are today? Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, so I've been in uh, public practice my entire career. Uh, I started in public accounting in, in 92, so 20, I guess what, 29 years now it's, mm. it's been. Uh, you count it by busy season, so <laughs> just, just finished our, our 29th one in my career. Oh. Uh, I've, uh, I actually am very fortunate. My father was a public accountant. He's retired now. And so he inspired me to be what I am today, uh, especially in the construction real estate space. Uh, mm. so when I was in high school, uh, I'm not sure if it was more my mother wanting me out of the house <laughs> or, uh, he, my dad wanting to teach me something, but, uh, remember one rainy morning in, in Northern Illinois, that's uh, where I grew up. Uh, we went out to one of my dad's job sites for the client and uh, it was a very rainy uh, day, and, and uh, I was a water sewer contractor. And I remember my dad asking me, uh, we walked up, and one of the, uh, the pits they dug to put piping down was full of water. 
And my dad asked me what I saw there. And I'm sure I gave him some very inappropriate remark, as most 16-year-olds would. <laughs> and, uh, you, know, I said, you know, I said, you know, it's a puddle. He's like, no, you need to understand that's lost time and money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to pump out, pump out the pit, fix the seals on the pipe. I mean, so that's lost revenue. You need to understand the risks of what contractors go through uh, in doing their business. And so mm. from that point on, I was always hooked on the construction real estate space. And uh, so that's my primary focus, as, as uh, you can obviously allude, but obviously serve a host of clients in all sectors uh, mm-hmm. for the firm. So uh, very excited mm. to share that with you guys today. W- wonderful. Yeah, I remember you telling me about your specialty in construction and real estate. And ironically, I have several clients that are in various aspects of the construction industry, most of them commercial. Um, but yeah, it's good to know that. And for our listeners, that's good for them to know that too. Sure. Great. So let's talk about um, what happens before the consummation of a deal, right? Before okay. buyer and seller agree and, and uh, closing happens, right? Um, there's a, a process called due diligence, which I'm sure most people out there listening have heard of. But um, how, how does that get, how, how is it conducted? Let's just talk about it from your perspective. Well, from both the buyer and the seller side. So mm-hmm. uh, obviously when uh, a buyer is looking to do due diligence on on you as a seller, right. uh, they're going to come in, review your financial statements, review uh, projections, budgets, uh, interview your key personnel. Uh, understand, you know, understand what makes what makes the business the business, what makes it work. Um, is are you as the owner the key attribute? that uh, is the business or have you worked with your management team that it's bifurcated uh, that that skill set lies across your entire team? Mm -hmm. So again, on the exit, as it were, uh, is what they're buying the value of the the business or you as the owner. Right. Now, on the flip side, uh, and I think this is one area where people don't talk about as much as you as a seller, what are you doing on buyer due diligence? Absolutely. So with buyer due diligence, it's very similar as with, just like I alluded with seller due diligence, mm-hmm. you're going to want to see their financial statements. What are their financial means to buy you? What are interviewing their key personnel of, because mm-hmm. you have to remember, uh, I, I would hope for many, many of our selling clients, they're interested in, in keeping their businesses intact. Those long-term employees that have given their their lives and times and talents to you as a business owner to right. con- ensure their longevity. Mm-hmm. Uh, culture, I mean, the same thing. You want to make sure that that culture is intact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But more so, once again, coming back to they have the financial means. Uh, everything, everything sounds good over a handshake of, of what they'd like to do, but now when the rubber hits the road... Uh, do they have the means to actually execute the strategy with you and mm-hmm. and more so meet your the expectation of your exit strategy both from a financial standpoint as well as the that longevity of of the business mm-hmm. i um would agree with you that i think that many sellers think that due diligence is one sided yeah and they absolutely have to check out that buyer so um as far as process goes with doing that um briefly let's just talk a little bit about how would a seller go about doing that? Would you just have your broker or investment banker go through their broker or investment banker? It, it could be that way. Or mm-hmm. again, uh, you know, Baker Tilly or or your existing accounting firm can go in there and do, do mm-hmm. that for you. Again, mm-hmm. uh, just like uh, you would have uh, them send, sign an NDA uh, 
when they're looking at your stuff, it would be it'd be reciprocal, mm-hmm. and and the same thing going in and, and having a, a that high level uh, review as well. Absolutely. So so again, and it it every due diligence is a little different, especially mm-hmm. especially given the nature of the transaction. Right. If if you know it's going to be an all cash transaction, you may just be more concerned with. The, the culture, if it's going to be a debt service transaction, you know, again, that might give you a moment to pause and go, okay, how, how are they going to service this long term for me? Right. And fitting in everything that has to come to the seller as well. Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah. I, I love um, that thought of having a company like yours looking after the seller's interests, right? And checking out that buyer. Yeah. Um, that's super good advice for sure. Uh, when we talk about buyer uh, financing, right, sure. that it's kind of an ambiguous term in a way because there's so many different ways that a buyer can structure a deal. But um, let's just talk about the approach and different ways that they could finance a deal. Um, I know that you've been seeing some things come across your desk. So Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's several different ways. I mean, obviously, a non-financing is like Basically, the, the buyer's coming in with cash, mm-hmm. and they maybe they already have existing businesses, so they have the working capital within their other businesses mm-hmm. or through other means uh, just to basically bring a check to the table. So that, that's a pretty straightforward process. Right. Sure. Now, a lot of times, though, what is you as a seller to prepare your business for sale is being mindful of, is the buyer intending to leverage the company to, to finance the transaction, to finance your buyout? And so a lot of times as you're preparing for that transaction, the key really is what, what can kind of leverage can your company hold and, and still cash flow as well as, mm-hmm. frankly, cover the salaries, especially of a new owner-operator's coming in, covering the salaries of that new owner-operator, the likelihood covering you as the exiting owner, because there's probably going to be some sort of transition period where a, a, a consulting contract will be in place to ensure mm-hmm. – uh, that long-term uh, knowledge transfer. So, so then, how much how much debt leverage can can your business hold? Right. And so, once again, uh, working with with Baker Tilly as part of that process, you know, I call it a financial stress test of how much debt can the business hold. Now, so that's one way. Now, the third way, and this is where you also need to be very mindful as a seller, whereby the buyer comes in and goes, "Well, I really don't have the financial means." Mm-hmm. And so I want you to take back a seller note. Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, now you've just become their business partner. Right. And that changes, really changes the character of things. Um, you had mentioned one recently came across my desk. Um, I've been working on a project with, with a client. Um, we had thought that the, uh, the seller had uh, significant financial means to, to make it a cash offer. Uh, where in reality it turned out to be a bank debt offer as well as a mm. seller note offer. And the company just couldn't hold that kind of leverage. Mm. And so unfortunately, uh, despite the fact both parties were eager to make the transaction occur, um, the the seller wasn't interested in being in the business for many, many years. And it was a lot of contingent consideration was going to be there from a financial standpoint that um, j- just wasn't the, the appetite at the end of the day of, mm. of the seller. So uh, so you need to be mindful of that. So mm. as you're doing kind of, again, part of this financial due diligence, coming back to what we spoke of earlier, Julie, is does the seller and the buyer, or excuse me, the buyer have the means 
to be able to execute the transaction in a way that you as, as the seller of the company are going to feel comfortable. Right. Now, it's one thing to have maybe some later payout. Mm-hmm. But again, the, the more the more hook that that buyer has into you, you're now going to become their business partner, but you're going to lose control at the same time. Right. And losing control means you're not running running the show any further. And so now your your capital, your long-term capital is at risk. So just to be mindful of that. Right. And what we're really talking about here, too, for our listeners who haven't figured it out already, which I'm sure they have, but we're talking about smaller businesses right now. Correct. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. And um, it sounds to me like from the story that you just shared, that deal fell apart. It did. Unfortunately, it did. How long did they um, go through the process before it actually... You know, once we got to the... Again, talking about the actual financing, um, it, it fell apart in about four weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went back and forth a few times, and just at the mm-hmm. end of the day, uh, without the proper leverage, it wasn't going to work. Sure. Well, four weeks isn't as bad as four months. Yeah, correct. Right. Yep. Yeah, the longer it goes. Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> I think that that story probably is going to resonate with a lot of the people that are listening right now. Yeah. Let's talk about types of buyers. Like there's so many different types of buyers out there. I have a few clients right now that are looking at internal sales, mm-hmm. but that's not the only type, right? There's um, private equity, um, like you were just referring to, owner-operator, and then there's strategic. Sure. So uh, of the three, so let's start with the PE firm type environment. So the PE type firm, uh, typically they want to buy a significant po- component of your equity where uh, – Management stays on board. You, as the owner, stays on board. Uh, but their their goal is they're looking for a, a rate of return. So, mm-hmm. um, and that is typically you know determined uh, as you're going through the due diligence process. Um, it can vary, but you know it probably is going to be in that range of eight to fifteen percent, if not higher, is what they're looking uh, to get out of this. But again, they're okay. looking at it more of a short term play. Mm-hmm. And they're looking to, frankly, sell their equity interest in, you know, maybe not the immediate future within a year or two, but they may have a, say, a five to seven year exit strategy of themselves. Yeah, many of them have five to seven. But then there's the the, like more private, smaller ones that are kind of buy and hold too, right? Correct. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that is very beneficial of a PE firm, they're they're looking to invest significant capital influx into the business Mm -hmm. to help you achieve some of those maybe longer term strategic goals. Right. That you you couldn't didn't have the financial means to do so before, so again it's it's you're you're taking a piece of equity off the table for cash, right? Uh, but then hopefully what what'll happen is the second time you get the second bite of the apple, right? When they sell, they can sell it. You know, you get to sell a piece down again. So so it's a different. It's not a immediate exit strategy, but it's a, it's a way to pull capital down in in the immediate here and now. And take some of the risk off the table as well. Correct. And Very if it's done so. right, it can be a van, a fantastic exit option for Very a business so. owner, Very especially so. if they're not like ready to be done completely. And so many owners are not ready to be done completely. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's one option. So let's talk about, well, we talked a little bit about owner operator already. Maybe yeah. we could just um, move on to strategic first. Yeah. So from a strategic standpoint, again, you've got a Another, it's typically a competitor is is probably more the nature of it uh, mm-hmm. that they uh, they see your business and they see that you provide 
uh, whether it's a good or service that is different than their own or complementary to mm-hmm. what they're already providing. Mm-hmm. So in that case, they're probably more eager to, to maybe pay a little bit more of a premium for the business. Uh, they typically um, are eager in the business thriving because they, they see that as an a ongoing division or merging in with their current current business model. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what could happen, though, we talked earlier about kind of retaining key personnel and, and the longevity of your employee base. A strategic may have an opi- have a desire they want just to absorb specific attributes of your business and really aren't concerned about the key personnel or the rest that they intend to fold that in. Mm-hmm. So, so there, depending on your wishes as a seller, uh, that might not be the best long term for, again, the longevity of your personnel because they may combine accounting. Uh, the sales force, various things, depending on on their w- why is the need for that strategic acquisition. And that brings me to my next question, which is um, when we're talking about retaining retaining key people, that that would be something that a business owner who wants to take care of their their stakeholders, right, their mm-hmm. employees, to know up front. So when does that typically get addressed? Is that like after NDA, before LOI, or during LOI? I would say it, it happens. Uh, as the LOI is going, I mean, I, I think the more proactive you as a seller are of saying, I have I have an employee base that has been very loyal to me, uh, I, I want to see you to ensure they're taken care of. Mm-hmm. And if, if the seller, or, or excuse me, if the buyer comes back and says, I'm not interested in that, well, now you need to make a decision. Uh, you may go, okay, am I going to take X dollars off the table mm-hmm. and do I reward my key employees? Because I, I have seen that too, where uh, where a it's going to be a full full mm-hmm. sale to, again, it's, it's a strategic buyout and all they intend to do is take over operations but not retain anyone. So you go, okay, if that's the case, I may need more money in that standpoint or I, as the seller, may go, I'm willing to take a little less personal funds and reward my key employees for their years of service for, for them being with me and um, ensure that those employees land on their feet with a with a nice personal nest egg long term. Mm-hmm. And then maybe even help them to become, you know, placed somewhere else. C- correct. As there's kind of a workforce shortage, so probably wouldn't have a hard time. C- correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we're talking a little bit too these days about COVID-19, right? And the impact that it's had on businesses, large, small, regardless of industry, right? Mm -hmm. Some have flourished and others haven't. Um, But the pre and post impacts, um, and and this is something I've, I've addressed in the show in the past, but the fact that things are so fluid these days things could be different now than they were when we addressed it a few months ago. Sure. Okay. So what are some of the considerations from your standpoint? Well, I think COVID-19, well, it has. It's had different impacts on everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, some businesses have absolutely flourished as a result of COVID. I mean, you look at the building industries, uh, certain suppliers, uh, professional service have flourished. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you look at, unfortunately, hospitality, yes, transport or certain, you know, transportation airlines and, and the, the nature, uh, they've suffered. Yes. So, so one, it depends on the type of business you're in and, and mm-hmm. where that's impacted. Now, the the other key being is as you look at a what is a buyer going to look at post COVID. Are, if you went through a downturn, are you able to rebound? And if you went through a, a series of dramatic growth, 
is that going to sustain? Right. So that's got to be part of the conversation yes. of, of what they're buying mm-hmm. because you don't want to sell short when you know that you're in the rebound phase and you, you don't want to pr- promise the moon if you know that it, the economy sort of re-flattens out and everybody re-enters the economy now post, post-COVID, right. that you're not going to be able to deliver those promised results. Right. Yeah. Um, and I would have to say that I've got clients on both ends of the spectrum. That there are those who are having a heyday right now, but they know that it's probably short term. And so then, of course, from your perspective, um, if if there happens to be a buyer out there mm-hmm. who's interested in a company like that, then then and how it, is there a way that you guys? How do you consider normalizing the financials then, or how do you look at you know the future earnings potential? Like, is there? A formula? Yeah, well, I mean, typically most valuation folks, uh, it, they look at a 10-year trend. Mm-hmm. So they try to take some of that out. Um, and and two, even from a perspective of with COVID, what, what did COVID really do to impact your business? And that's that's what I would tell any any seller sure. is, is really kind of understanding that. I mean, I look at our own business in, in public accounting. I mean, COVID... COVID resulted in, you know, with the way our fiscal year goes, two two end of tax seasons all now impact into one fiscal year versus being in two fiscal years and different things of that nature. And that mm. happened to the profession as a whole. So again, mm. very unique, probably never to happen again in our lifetime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and everybody's hair is on fire. Right, exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess you'll it'll be something to remember. You can sure. tell your grandkids oh, about. For sure. Yeah. Well, we talked a little bit about key people. Um, I wanted to touch on for sure um, how to prepare, how to prepare your business when there will be an internal transfer. Sure. Um, because of the fact that we've got so many family businesses, you know, in our market, um, all over the country, really, and and then there's you know key people that are interested in purchasing. So, what's the best way for owners to prepare their business for that? I would say specifically when it comes to non-family members. Uh, first and foremost is some sort of a long-term deferred comp plan or incentive compensation plan to ensure that those individuals stay with you as you're going through that grooming process. Mm -hmm. One, it also gives them uh, the ability as you're putting funds away, it it sort of starts to build that nest egg for them to start to acquire the business. It gives them cash flow. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and sort of that historic term, that golden handcuff, as it were. Uh, obviously, with the uh, seller from a family member to family member, uh, as as you know, you and I have spoken often, Julie. That one's a little more difficult at yeah. times, uh, culture and and family dynamics and the like. Mm-hmm. But you know, similar things can work that way too. You know, again, if if you if you as a seller just want to pass the baton and have take a seller note, well. You're going to still be the family business partner long term, and, and a lot of families have done that. It's just kind of the nature of what people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but same thing, if you're planning early, you can help move compensation to those key individuals with the intent that it goes into some sort of long-term deferred comp plan or just savings plan for them mm-hmm. that, that there is cash long-term down the road. So again, maybe mm-hmm. then, then they could have the leverage ability to borrow funds to do the buyout, and then you as the... A senior family member can can get out with cash now versus it being a longer term play. 
Right. And then having that equity position, of course, is favorable to a lender. Sure. Yeah. That's kind of a, at least that's the option that I've been recommending lately, you know, for the clients that come to me and it's early enough, like you said, early enough, that's kind of the key word there, right? If if they don't have a whole lot of time, then then there aren't as many options. Exactly. Exactly. Um, As with anything. Well, we've reached the time when we have to ask our guest, Russ Fleming, for a couple of action items for our listeners. What would you recommend? Well, I think kind of coming back to the couple key topics, um, really understanding the nature of your buyer, or maybe even better yet, what kind of buyer do you want in the end? Um, Understanding what is important to you and really the takeaway, what do you want for your culture and sustainability? And really, what do you want to ensure from, again, a cash standpoint, uh, especially at that initial sale date? Uh, So really being prepared from that front. Mm-hmm. And, and then I think secondarily is, again, with, with again, the key topics we've discussed today, really being aware of kind of, again, that financial stress that your, your business can take from a, mm-hmm. um, from a leverage standpoint. And you, again, coming back, you may, the businesses may be in the position at this point, very liquid, and we haven't had debt in a while or, or not, but really understanding what could give the buyer those key options that make your business attractive and being able to leverage some of your assets might be one of them. Great advice. Thank you. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to have you back. Well, thank you, Julie. Yeah. It's been a pleasure being here. Yeah. And, and so what's the best way for people to reach you, Russ? Uh, yeah. So uh, bakertilly.com. Okay. Um, uh, we are obviously, as we've shared, uh, we're a national firm, but if you just go to our Minneapolis office link, mm-hmm. uh, you could reach me there. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention uh, to everybody today, uh, we have the employee retention credit seminar going on currently. I know mm. a lot of your listeners have employees mm. that, um, you know, credit's available right now. And so if they go out to Baker Tilly's website uh, to see the ERC uh, information, that would be extremely helpful, I'm sure, to a lot of your listeners as well. Perfect. I'll make sure and put that in the show notes. And um, so that people can access that very easily. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And for our listeners, as always, this episode will be available for download on the Poised for Exit website at poisedforexit.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your subscriptions and your reviews. Please join us again next time.